NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Before we get to today's podcast, we have a special message. All of us at Pit Pass Indy are deeply honored and proud to receive the best podcast of 2022 by the National Motorsports Press Association during its annual convention in Concord, North Carolina on January 22nd. The episode entitled Mario Andretti in the American Dream won first place in the podcast category from an independent panel of judges. The episode was released on June 21st, 2022, and is available for download on all major podcast platforms. The team here at Evergreen Podcast is deeply honored, proud, and humbled to receive this award. There will be more awards given out Sunday afternoon at Daytona International Speedway. The cherished Rolex Daytona chronographs that go to the winning teams in each class of this weekend's Rolex 24 at Daytona. The famed international sports car race kicks off the major racing season and features some of the top racing drivers from around the world as they endure the challenges of the 24-hour race. It's twice around the clock for these teams and drivers, which will include a large contingent of drivers from the NTT IndyCar series. Over 10 drivers from IndyCar will compete in the Rolex 24. That's nearly one-third of the starting lineup of 33 drivers that competes in the Indianapolis 500. Because the Rolex 24 is such an important race, we're going to switch gears on this episode of Pit Pass Indy as we talk to IMSA President John Doonan on the tremendous storylines in IMSA this season. Our second guest is Honda Performance Large Project Leader Mark Crawford, who works on the Acura IMSA Sports Car Project. And Acura will start on the pole when Saturday's race begins after Meyer Shank Racing was the fastest in pole qualifications on Sunday, January 22nd. With so much to cover, our first guest is IMSA President John Doonan, who joined me for this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, it's a real honor to have the president of IMSA, John Doonan, join us. John, big race coming up here at the end of the month, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, which in a lot of ways has become an international all-star race. The greatest race drivers in the world all coming to compete in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in one of the great endurance races in the world. If you could talk about just how the growth of this event has become so important on the international motorsports calendar. Well, you're right. Uh, the countdown clock in the lobby uh, when we walked in today said 12 days. Uh, so we are, uh, the entire staff here is counting the days, all the race teams and uh, all the partners are counting the days to they're going to roll in here 
uh, park for both the Roar before the 24 and the Rolex 24. But if you rewind the clock uh, 61 years ago, you know, Bill France Sr. had a vision of this event, and that was to really bring the best of the best together. And uh, we talked to you and I earlier about exactly that. You, you're you're going to see the best racing drivers from many different disciplines in the race, obviously the best sports car drivers in the world, but you have drivers coming from IndyCar and from uh, NASCAR, of course, uh, Austin Sindrick, the Daytona 500 winner from 2022 is going to be running with us. So um, you're going to see the best talent behind the wheel. You're going to see the world's uh, leading auto manufacturers. Uh, we're so proud in IMSA to have 18 of them. Um, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, Michelin Pilot Challenge are full of the best automakers in the world. So we're proud of that. And then uh, you look at the race teams, you go down the list of uh, a Chip Ganassi racing, uh, Meyer Shank racing, you know, Indy 500 winners in last year's uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship champions, Penske, Ganassi again, uh, Andretti now partnered with Wayne Taylor. Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, Action Express, race winners and champions. So you you add it all up when it comes down to it. Uh, you got the best of the best. And that's what the history of the Rolex 24 has been like over the last 61 years. And we're certainly hoping to uh, write that next chapter uh, here in the next uh, 10 days. And if you walk through the paddock at the Rolex 24, it's also the season kickoff for a lot of business people from other series to get together to get involved in racing. You'll see a lot of the top people from all forms of racing at Daytona. And how valuable is that to get everybody there? It's kind of this, you know, school's back in session type feel, not only just for the IMSA WeatherTech series, but for auto racing around the globe. Yeah, you, you have that pegged perfectly. Um, we are so honored to be the launch pad for the motorsport season around the world. Um, you're exactly right. All different sanctioning body leaders, um, certainly uh, representatives and senior leadership and board members from automakers around the world, you know, drivers and teams, uh, of course, kicking off their season in IMSA, but it is uh, definitely the launch pad for motorsport globally. Uh, we're proud of that. We want to continue to be that. Um, and this event, uh, as you look back again over the last six decades, it's been that. And um, this year is going to be no exception. Uh, it's really going to be special. And when you look at some of the IndyCar drivers that have competed in the Rolex 24, you got to start with a guy like Scott Dixon, who's achieved some pretty impressive statistics there. And when you look at Scott Dixon, the sports car driver, and his accomplishments in the Rolex 24, it really does show him to be one of the top racing drivers in the world. What can you tell our listeners about what Scott Dixon has really meant to the success that he's had in that event? Well, you're, you're right. And, um, uh, Scott, of course, uh, the consummate gentleman, uh, off track, uh, the fiercest of all competitors on track. And when you put together an all-star team, if you will, uh, for an event like the Rolex 24 and, uh, 
Chip Ganassi Racing has got drivers from a lot of different disciplines, but when it comes to this event, they've pulled together uh, their own little all-star team. And uh, Dixie has definitely uh, stood on the top step of the podium here at Daytona proudly. Uh, I know in talking with him, he's extremely proud of his success at this event, which couples, of course, with uh, IndyCar championships and Indy 500 wins and things like that. So um, Scott's someone that is probably the uh, one, one of the poster children for, um, you know, it, it doing that crossover. And, you know, like you probably and many of your listeners, I grew up uh, at a time where drivers crossed over many disciplines. You know, you had uh, a guy like A.J. Foyt who, you know, 40 years ago won the Rolex 24 uh, in that swap shop Porsche 935. Um, but also, of course, his IndyCar career is his uh, – his stock car career and his stock car victories. And Scott to me is, is another example of a driver that has crossed over and just carried over the success that he had in his primary discipline of open wheel racing. Uh, but then took it to, to the top step here at the Rolex 24 and, and frankly, several other uh, IMSA races throughout the years. When you got the entry list and saw that there were 11 IndyCar Series drivers that were going to compete in the Rolex 24. What type of feeling did you get? It, it obviously had to be a very uh, positive feeling that in, in many ways you've got a third of the starting lineup of the Indianapolis 500 driving on your track in January. Yeah, you know, we, we over the years, and, and, and Mr. France, uh, Jim France, that is, has talked about this, and we've got several event posters from throughout the time. Uh, that this event has has been going, and it's highlighted the star power that this uh, particular event to kick off the season, the Rolex 24, gives to to motorsport, and uh, to have that many drivers uh, that are full time in either the IndyCar series or, or Indy 500. Uh, obviously, it it gives what is already a very very significant event in the world of motorsport, definitely in IMSA's playbook and and for sports car racing in general and you add that additional star power um and that additional talent um and and so many of those drivers are aligned with um specific manufacturers in in one of or both of the series that they compete in full time and so it's a really nice uh portfolio of talent and these drivers represent uh, the brands that they're driving for so well uh, whether it's um, Acura here versus Honda elsewhere or uh, Cadillac versus Chevrolet. It's it's really special. And then uh, you add in some, some new faces uh, like a Roman Grosjean who's running in the Lamborghini, uh, has got a really bright future in, in sports car racing as well as what he's already done in open wheel racing. You know, it's it's hard to pinpoint, you know, one specific, but I can tell you growing up in the Midwest and, and uh, knowing the significance of uh, the Indy 500 uh, to have that many drivers uh, involved in this event and several of them throughout the season, it really uh, is an added boost to an already super uh, 2023 season. Now, of course, the Rolex 24 at Daytona is the crown jewel of the IMSA schedule, and you lead IMSA as its president. And as you said at the beginning of the interview, 18 different manufacturers 
You compare that with other forms of racing in the United States. I believe NASCAR has three manufacturers. IndyCar has two. How has IMSA become so popular with the automotive industry to be able to attract 18 different manufacturers? Well, the core values of IMSA are are pretty simple. Um, We want to remain cost-effective. We all know racing is an expensive sport. But we 100%, and this is a vision from the very beginning that Bill France Sr. had, John Bishop uh, certainly aligned with, and and to this day Jim France does, and that is we want to be an automotive industry marketing tool. And we, congrats to our entire staff, have built very deep relationships with all of the automakers that choose to race with us. We have asked them directly about their objectives. We want to help them meet and exceed those objectives. We want to listen to them. Um, If we're going to be a marketing tool in their toolbox, we need to understand where they're headed with their powertrains and how it relates to what they're doing in their road cars. Uh, We want to understand where they're headed with alternative fuels and um, with different propulsion, whether that's hybrid, which we're launching this year, um, further electrification, um, and as I said, alternative fuels. So um, we do want to have a listening ear. We want to continue to be the stage where these automakers choose to compete, and we're so proud to have that many have chosen to invest with us and compete at the highest levels of of sports car racing in the world. And, um, you know, they're friends of ours, too. These are people we consider um, partners, but dear friends. And anytime you have that kind of a relationship, it, uh, it bodes well for everybody involved. So in 2023, you have 11 races with six events featuring all five WeatherTech Championship classes, including the new division, GTP. And if you could explain to our listeners how exciting it is to have this new class that will feature some of the top racing teams in the world. Well, you know, if you you rewind the IMSA history book a little bit, GTP or Grand Touring Prototype was a category that started in 1981. And it was a critical part of IMSA for about 12 years uh, after that. And many folks consider that the golden era of IMSA racing, where you had manufacturers bringing prototype race cars that they have designed themselves that look their brand or tell a brand story. So as we came with the next version of prototypes for the top category, uh, we decided to reignite that name, GTP. The GT aspect of it is because there's freedom in the design. The designers that still design road cars that you see on the street every day, this same group of designers at Acura, BMW, Cadillac, Porsche, and next year uh, Lamborghini will be joining us. They were given uh, almost a open palette um, on the easel to design their ultimate expression of their brand. So when you see the Acura GTP car, When you see the BMW, Cadillac, Porsche, you can see their brand uh, in the design, whether it's in the the way the the nose looks and the headlights or uh, the styling along the side of the car or the tail or the rear wing. They they represent an Acura. They represent a Cadillac or vice versa, um, a Porsche and a BMW. And if you pull the road car version of those brands up next to these prototype race cars, 
you can see it, not just not just stickers. You can see it in the design. And in talking to the designers at a lot of these events where these cars were unveiled, you can see the glimmer in their eye. Um, the young men and the young women at these design studios were given sort of the ultimate homework assignment. And they've embraced it. Um, they're proud of it. And as the cars roll off the grid uh, for the Rolex 24 next Saturday, I think you're going to see uh, those folks uh, grinning ear to ear about what they uh, achieved and uh, ultimately be proud that it's a representative uh, of their uh, particular automaker. Do you believe that IMSA provides the most direct technology transfer from racetrack to the automotive passenger car of any racing series in 2023? Well, I think, um, you know, if, if there was somebody measuring uh, that as a, as a report card, I, I'd say we, we definitely achieved an A. Um, and I think we probably do, given the mixture of, of automakers set the trend um, across all of motorsport. Uh, when the fans come uh, to the Speedway here, whether they're watching on NBC or Peacock or USA Network, they can see the storylines of these manufacturers. Um, so that, for sure, probably puts us uh, on the top step of the podium in that regard. I also think um, in collaboration with the automakers, we're bringing you know, less tire usage we're bringing a new renewable fuel for the top category. We're bringing hybrid technology uh, to the GTP cars. So in addition to being a marketing tool specifically for the brands themselves, we've got a sustainability story to tell that is industry leading as well. Uh, we have a partnership with the EPA and the Department of Energy and the Society of Automotive Engineers the only sanctioning body, uh, certainly in North America, to have that kind of relationship with governmental bodies that validates what we're trying to do from a sustainability standpoint. So when you couple all those things together, um, I think you're exactly right. Uh, IMSA is and wants to continue to be the leader in showing uh, relevance uh, from uh, road car to, to racetrack, but also uh, vice versa. We want this to be the laboratory that develops future technologies, future components for the future road car. And because the future is moving more toward electric vehicles, do you believe that the charging issue that a lot of people have with an electric car is it's very limited in terms of how many miles you can get per charge or actually, I guess, how many hours you can run it between charges, that that is a number one component that the racing world will probably tackle that will end up benefiting the automotive industry? Well, we have continued to study that as an opportunity. Once again, uh, as I said, we definitely want to have a pulse uh, on our auto manufacturer partners about what is ultimately going to be the most valuable to them in terms of a storytelling platform. Um, clearly, uh, when we discussed the concept of adding a hybrid uh, electric motor to these GTP cars, we had many manufacturers at the table and, you know, they spoke as a market and they said that this is exactly the bridge that they felt they needed to tell their story on, on the road car side. So when you have Acura, BMW, Cadillac, Porsche, Lamborghini uh, make commitments to the top category because of 
the set of technical regulations that we developed with our partners at the ACO and the FIA, um, that's a statement. They, they made a statement that they believe that this is the right place for them to compete. Now, going further, as you point out, uh, is full electrification uh, the answer? Time will tell. Um, but we also need to remember that whether it's the tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of fans that are going to see IMSA races this year on site or the millions that are going to watch on television throughout the year, we still want to make sure that it's an entertaining platform. Uh, when the race cars in the GTP category leave their pit box, many of them leave on electric power. And then about halfway down pit lane, those uh, internal combustion engines fire up and, you know, bam, and, and the sounds come and the, the smells come and the sights come and uh, the the uh, engines are firing and, and the fans enjoy that. So I think it's um, it's a balancing act to be candid and we need to continue to listen both uh, to those who invest, uh, the automakers, and to our fans who are so important to us, and I think the ultimate beneficiaries of, of this new platform. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy. And now here's the rest of my interview with IMSA President John Doonan for Pit Pass Indy. From a business standpoint, I'm going to name off some venues uh, to you, uh, starting with Daytona, then going to Sebring, then going to the streets of Long Beach, 
then wrote America, then Watkins Glen, wrote Atlanta, and beginning this year, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You're the only series in the world that competes at every one of those venues in a season. How valuable is that for businesses to get on board with IMSA when they're going to run at the most iconic uh, racing facilities in North America, if not the world? Well, it's it's exactly right. You hit all the facts, and I think... We are proud to compete in 16 of the top 20 markets in North America. Once again, you know, we want to be showing the IMSA product, which is the prototypes and GT cars, the variety of series that we have, the single make championships uh, in those markets, because it benefits uh, both uh, the automakers, our partners at Michelin, uh, our partners at WeatherTech, um, our partners at VP Racing Fuel. So, you know, if you're checking boxes, that's one box uh, to be in those top markets. You see a variety of different circuit layouts in what you just mentioned. Uh, Daytona certainly being unique in the fact that it's a, uh, a roval, if you will, um, using certainly a majority of the Daytona International Speedway oval, but then uh, a critical element of the road course you go to the streets of Long Beach or uh, the streets of uh, Detroit, where our Michelin Pilot Challenge will race this year, that, that brings variety. You bring um, some of the slower speed road racing circuits uh, like Lime Rock uh, just outside of New York, uh, and then a very high speed uh, set of circuits like Road America or Watkins Glen or Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. Um, you're giving our, our audience a huge uh, variety of different venues. So from a uh, execution standpoint, we love being at the variety of venues from a business standpoint. uh, We try to visit the markets that our current partners and hopefully future partners want to activate in with their brand or with their customers. And so it presents an exciting opportunity for us throughout the year to visit such uh, a variety of different places. And how important is it to IMSA to return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway facility where I believe around 2012 uh, they'd competed at before, but now under the leadership of Roger Penske, who owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, IMSA is going to get a chance to return on its own standalone weekend, September 15th through the 17th. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when you talk about iconic places and iconic uh, races, uh, you can't have a conversation like that without including the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and what uh, Mr. Penske and his staff, Doug Bowles, Mark Miles have done there um, in terms of uh, the time that he's owned it. Remarkable um, what they've done for fan experience. Uh, For the very first time, speaking of the fans, they're going to allow infield camping with motorhomes, which is such a big part of us throughout the season uh, with so many of the venues allowing families to come in and park literally trackside and have the show right in front of them. So I'm certain they're going to pack the place. I'm from the Midwest, so I love uh, Midwestern fall weather and I hope we have and are blessed with some some beautiful weather at that time. We're going to run a Michelin pilot challenge race from daylight into darkness which is exciting and to kind of get a read on what we might do with a longer length uh, WeatherTech sports car championship event uh, for 2024 and beyond. So there's a lot of excitement around that. Uh, The teams have been excited about going back there. And I think we're going to put on a tremendous show. I mean, it's going to be live on NBC on that Sunday. So can't go wrong with that. 
And speaking of Penske, uh, they will compete beginning this year as Porsche Penske Motorsports. Uh, how important is it for those iconic combinations to come together in sports car racing? Well, I think Penske and Porsche have been synonymous uh, back to the early 70s. Uh, certainly when they ran in endurance races with uh, the early 911 uh, RSRs, but you know, you, you go on to what they did in the Can-Am series in the 70s with Porsche. And then, of course, uh, when the RS Spider launched in 2005, it was once again uh, Penske and Porsche. So uh, to have them back together, I've been with both of those uh, organizations, the folks at Porsche, the folks of Penske separately and together. And I know they're thrilled to be back together in the top category racing for overall wins. Uh, and the same could be said for, you know, Chip Ganassi and his organization, Bobby Rahal and, and the Letterman Lanigan group um, to come back uh, with BMW in the top category. So, you know, you talk about the drivers from IndyCar, but now you got uh, so many of these IndyCar teams between uh, Andretti, Rahal, Ganassi, Penske, Meyer Shank. They're all seeing the value in, in sports car racing as well. Now, when you walk into a business company that's interested in maybe getting involved in racing, it seems like you've been very successful in getting a lot of business in IMSA. And how receptive have a lot of businesses been to getting involved with IMSA when they see some of the bold initiatives that you have planned? Well, I appreciate you asking that. I think you, you hit on another very important element of how we try to operate. And as you look at the auto industry, we already talked about the manufacturers. Then you talk about automotive-related products, uh, companies like WeatherTech, Michelin in particular, now Bosch with the uh, electric motor that they've produced for the hybrid system. They 100% see a business proposition to be in front of a very fertile ground, if you will, target-rich group of automakers. At the same time, We've now opened up with the hybrid system and with the advancements in technology of the race cars, both prototype and GT. Now you're into a technology sector and a data analysis sector, which opens up the doors and potential business proposition for companies that are in those sectors to come to the racetrack, entertain current customers maybe you know bring prospective customers but also use the races which are so time driven and a real time data acquisition to make decisions there's a correlation in that case to showcasing their software maybe their hardware and the technology that we have that's rolling around the racetrack couple that with sustainability which um, all companies are looking at uh, being more efficient in how they operate. And so you, you have a set of uh, parameters, if you will, that make it a worth, worthwhile business investment to come and be part of it. You can race from daylight into darkness. You can have dinner uh, overlooking the racetrack at night with a bunch of business colleagues. Uh, we have several companies that choose to come into town early, have business meetings with clients, and then use the racetrack as a celebration of their partnership. So we hope to continue to grow IMSA and provide opportunities for both automakers and, and related brands and even further into the technology sector and, and diversity and sustainability 
that will um, continue to make us a, a worthwhile investment. Now, what is a Rolex 24 like for the president of IMSA? I'm sure it's really not a Rolex 24. It's more like a Rolex 48 uh, in terms of <laughs> time that you're awake throughout the event. When does your day begin and when do you finally get to go to sleep? Well, that's I, I love that question because over the years, uh, have had the opportunity in my previous life uh, from the manufacturer side to compete in the event. And you're exactly right. I'd like to roll into the track very early on race morning. And, you know, some would say, what are you thinking? You're going to be up for 48 hours, which is, is the right number. But um, I like to come in before the race starts. I like to spend time in the garage area by myself right when it opens. Most of the teams come a little bit later because they have to execute the race. But for me, um, growing up at the racetrack, that was a special time sort of the calm before the storm and you get a read and, and you see the fans waking up in the infield and cooking breakfast and things like that, getting ready for the twice around the clock side of the race. We obviously have a lot of uh, guests in town. Uh, we have a, a breakfast with, with all the uh, manufacturer and partner leadership. We have, as you pointed out, uh, members from the ACO and the FIA that will be with us. Um, obviously the driver meeting is, is a special moment as well as, our race directors uh, give their final instructions uh, for what is expected when the race starts and then through the night. Um, I do stay up all night with my staff. I've always been a believer in, you know, we're a team and uh, they have to stay up all night. They have to be on their game to execute the race, to make uh, decisions and also to tell stories through the night. So it's a huge team effort and right on through to the finish and victory lane. And then you're exactly right. Sometime long about seven, eight o'clock on Sunday night after the race, uh, I do try to find, uh, try to find my bed and, and catch up. But, you know, there's a lot of adrenaline that drives all of us, a lot of passion that drives all of us. Um, and no matter what manufacturer is represented, no matter what, you know, race team is represented, when everybody pulls in here to Daytona, uh, we're speaking a common language of love for the sport and, and passion for the sport. And that makes uh, anybody uh, have a little extra energy to stick it out to, uh, to 48 hours. Is it more of a mental challenge or a physical challenge? Definitely. Your, your body plays tricks on you. Um, after you've been up uh, all night, uh, your body's telling you it's hungry, but it's just looking for sleep. So I think definitely, you know, you start feeling it both physically uh, and mentally. But, you know, what I, what I always appreciate uh, and appreciated when I was competing, you know, the crew members that have to execute at least one pit stop per hour. So call it 24 pit stops. They have to be on their A game for every one of those pit stops. They need to make sure that the fuel tank gets filled uh, all the way. They need to make sure every tire has proper tire pressure in it, that it's tight when it goes on. They got to make sure the windshield is clean and make, make sure that the driver has proper refreshments in the cockpit and in terms of uh, their water bottles and things like that. So I've always... Uh, respected and appreciated the crews out of anyone. The drivers, of course, uh, get an opportunity to go take a nap and maybe get a massage or get a meal. But the crew members, they have to be on their game for 24 hours. So I think the mental side of it is uh, probably one of the things that's most taxing, and that carries over to uh, a tired body. One of the most surreal feelings that anybody can get in any auto race in the world, I would say, would be between the hours of 
2 a.m. and 6 a.m. on Sunday morning when it's just a, a, a surreal feeling to hear the cars in the background at that hour of the day and how you can't experience that anywhere except a an endurance race, whether it be the Rolex 24 at Daytona or the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Just how do you begin to describe to our listeners what that time period is like in a race? Yeah, surreal is uh, an excellent word. Um, I actually also, to some extent, call it a a calming moment. You know, the sun is coming up. People have been pushing hard uh, throughout the night. Uh, They've made it to daylight. They've made it to morning. Now the mindset, uh, certainly of the strategists and the engineers on the pit box and, and definitely the drivers is wow, now we're going to go racing. Um, They've been racing all night. They've been racing since the green flag, but now they're going to go racing in quotes, strategic decisions on um, when to pit, when to take fuel, when to take tires, whether they want track position. Is the car still feeling happy or has it been damaged during the night and are they nursing it? Um, There's so many factors that play in there, but I've always found that time of sunrise to be somewhat calming. We've made it. We, we, We have quite a bit yet to go, but we've made it. And I know just from being in that slot when I was, uh, you know, a participant and a, and a competitor, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a little bit of a relief moment knowing full well that there's still quite a, quite a bit of racing to do. And I would say the most popular concession at the Rolex 24 has got to be the coffee. A lot of races, uh, the most popular concession may be food or it may be beer, but I would definitely think the coffee concession at the Rolex 24 is probably quite busy. It is. And I think if you roll the clock back to last year, I think it was uh, certainly also for warmth. Uh, You know, we were quite cold during the night, I think 32 degrees overnight last year or right around that. So people were looking for some hot cocoa, tea or coffee. But you're you're 100 percent right, both for the teams and the fans. And that's another thing that, that impresses me so much is the number of fans that might sit up and call it turn one of the road course uh, for the start, uh, maybe go get a, a meal in the infield during the, during the day, a nice dinner, see the fireworks. And then you'll, you'll see them uh, walking the garage area at night. You'll see them going and sitting at a corner at night. So whether it's the coffee concessions uh, or just sheer passion, people are looking to not miss a single minute of the 24-hour. IMSA President John Doonan, it is certainly one of the most iconic events of the season in all of international motorsports. Good luck in this year's Rolex 24 at Daytona and the rest of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship season. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks for having me, and I hope everybody can tune in on NBC next Saturday to watch us uh, kick off the 23 season, both for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, but for all of motorsports globally. And Acura will start on the poll for this weekend's Rolex 24 sports car race at Daytona. One of the leaders behind the Acura sports car effort is Honda Performance Development large project leader Mark Crawford, who joins us for this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy.
With the Rolex 24 coming up on Saturday, joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Mark Crawford, the large project leader for Honda Performance Development. Mark, you're, one of your Acuras is starting on the pole for the 24-hour race that starts Saturday. That's got to be a big thrill for everybody involved with your project, especially with the new car this year. It's a, it's a huge thrill. That's a good way to put it. It's a validation of everything that so many people at HPD and, uh, you know, even American Honda, you know, headquarters down in Torrance with the uh, Acura group. Uh, there's been so many hands within the company on this car, and everyone's put their, their heart and soul into it, and they love it. And it's, uh, it's really rewarding to, to get that pull. And also, the Rolex 24 has turned into an international all-star race. It's where drivers from various disciplines of racing throughout the world all come together to run in one of the world's great endurance races. That also includes a couple of drivers in your lineup who are Indy 500 winners, including four-time Indianapolis 500 winner Elio Castroneves, who will also, uh, his teammate is Simon Pagano. They both race at Meyer Shank Racing. And what's it like bringing these guys into some of the endurance races and working with them and maybe getting a different kind of feedback? You know, it's uh, anymore. It's pretty smooth. You know, Helios—he's got a lot of uh, a lot of experience with us on the on the sports car side. So, as far as working within the the Acura and Honda system, he's quite experienced. So he knows he knows how we speak over on the IndyCar side. He can he knows how we speak in the sports car side. And uh, Simon also—he's he's spent a long time with us on uh, on both programs. Uh, it's really it's really good to have those guys come across because, you know, it gives them kind of more options in their language and how they express things to us. You know, sometimes if uh, maybe if they're having a, a a bit of difficulty, you know, making a point about what uh, what the car is doing, they can kind of kind of go and speak the IndyCar language a little bit, and that might that might get some people thinking. So it gives them a a few more tools in the toolbox for communicating uh, what they're feeling. And really getting the point clear to uh, to our our trackside support. How much added star power is involved with, say, the Rolex Twenty Four? When you get all these different drivers from different forms of discipline in from all over the world. Yeah, the the star power is is something. You know, it's I, I think the appeal of the event definitely helps uh, with with drawing you know top level talent. You know, really some of the guys that we see come over here you know, to do this event. You're kind of surprised to see them, you know, roll into the U.S. and roll into Daytona, you know, just to do one race. It uh, it's really a mark of the appeal for this race, and what a uh, what a banner event it is for for IMSA and the sports car series. So you know we're we're thrilled to have these uh, you know these these top notch drivers all coming from from every corner of the world to uh, you know not only to to race here in uh, in Daytona with us or against us, but to Actually, sometimes seek out a, an Acura a seat. You know, they want to they want to drive our car, and that's that's quite an endorsement for us. Now, someone in your position, in your role, I imagine it's not just the Rolex Twenty Four. It's going to be the Rolex Forty Eight for you. I imagine you get there pretty early on Saturday morning, and probably don't leave till late Sunday night. So, how many straight hours will you be? on the clock, on duty, doing what you do, keeping track of everything with the Acura program and the Rolex 24? You know, it's, it's easily, I, I think, I think if you maximized your sleep, you'd be, you'd be up for uh, 36 hours straight. When I've uh, done it before, I think, 
Oh, I think the the one time I paid attention to my wake-up time and my final uh, go-to-bed time, I think I was up for 44 hours straight. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of work, and uh, you know some of that is you know you, you you do get a chance to you know to sit down and relax for a little bit, but but not a whole lot. You know it's it's amazing how much effort goes into just making sure that everyone's uh, you know ready to go before the race. That takes quite a bit of time, and then after the race, just keeping an eye on the cars through tech and making sure that, uh, you know, any issues can are documented and can be followed up uh, right away, you know, back at home base. It uh, it takes quite a bit of time, but, you know, there's so much adrenaline and so much energy at this event. It's amazing how little you feel it. So because you are the large project manager for Honda Performance Development and Acura, your specialty is the IMSA car. And this is a very important season for IMSA with the rollout of the new cars if you could explain to our listeners what is different about the new car compared to the former classification that competed for the last time last year. You know, it's a, it's a really short list of what is similar uh, between the two. Uh, you know, the, uh, the two cars, they might look, you know, quite similar. They might, um, you might think that they're quite close because they race on the same track. And uh, so far at Daytona, you know, for a fresh rollout, we're putting in similar lap times. But really, everything with these cars, everything that sits on the tires, including the tires themselves, is brand new. The uh, the inventory for the old DPI cars is completely safe because we use almost none of it on this car. So, you know, the, the Acura in particular, you know, it's got a brand new chassis from Orica. It's a, it's a completely new design. It's got a a brand new engine from uh, from HPD that we uh, that we put together ourselves. The control system, the software, you know, we we put that together ourselves uh, at HPD. Those you know those things all come out of uh, HPD by our engineers back at the home base. And uh, uh, geez, I can't think of anything that's really too similar carryover. Uh, you know, everything in this car is just completely different from from what we used in DPI. Now you put it together and it looks, it looks very similar. It, it looks like, uh, looks like there ought to be some things that would carry over, but shockingly nothing, nothing does. There's, there's almost nothing you can take off the DPI and put on the LMDH car. What will the fans notice the most? I, I, I think that the fans, you know, to, to look at the cars, they'll, they'll see some new styling. You know, the styling is all new on this car and uh there's some cleaner lines and there's uh i think a, a a really nice step forward in the visual appeal of the of the acura uh the the dpi car was a really good looking car and our uh, our designers at the acura studio and, and torrance they uh they really took a, a big step up on this car because they made it look even better than the the dpi so i think that the fans will will take that away when they you know when they see the the acura on track I think that maybe they might notice a few different exhaust notes. Uh, you know, we have we still have a twin turbo V6, but this is a higher revving twin turbo V6. Uh, some of the control systems that are integrated into the car for, um, you know, for for just vehicle control and uh, also with managing the hybrid unit and the power that goes down uh, can lead to some audible uh, uniqueness to the uh, to the sound of the car. So I, I think it's, you know, I think it's going to be a familiar experience for the fans, 
but there is going to be uh, several things that they can, you know, that they'll enjoy picking out about this, this new car. How about the competition level of the new car? Are there advantages or there are gains that you have with this classification that you didn't have with the old DPI? Oh, absolutely. There's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for development with this car. So it, uh, it really carries a lot of accurate signature and a lot of HPD technology and know-how in it. So, you know, the, the opportunity for, for development that's presented by IMSA with this formula is really second to none. Uh, you know, there's a lot of racing series anymore that are really kind of freezing the technology and freezing the state of development. But what IMSA has given us here is really a clean sheet and, uh, and a really special opportunity to, to develop a, a car that's got our own just visual appeal and signature to it. That is a, it's a joy to see, but then, uh, then to put our technology into it to develop our own unique engine, our own unique controls. And, uh, you know, bring that, that accurate experience all the way up to Pinnacle Motorsports. Uh, that's a, that's a huge opportunity. And, and it's something that, that I think everybody on the program has, has really enjoyed being part of. Is that one of the reasons why so many manufacturers are involved with IMSA? I believe that there are 18 different manufacturers involved in, in IMSA throughout all the classifications. Yeah, there are. And, uh, and the, the opportunity for, for manufacturers to to bring their their brand into a series like IMSA and to carry their brand identity and not have it diluted and have it compete in a in a balanced uh, very fair format I think that's a, that's a huge appeal to to everybody uh, that's involved in the series and you're right there's uh, there's so many different nameplates I I'd struggle to to start naming them all going from GTP which you know of course we're I'm most familiar with all the way down through uh, GTD, you know, we have our, our Acura NSX and GTD. Uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of names, a lot of brands, a lot of uniqueness uh, through the ranks in this in this series, and it's just uh, you know, it's it's a lot to take in. So, thank goodness it's a 24-hour race. You need at least that much to see it all. And it used to be uh, back in the day in various forms of racing that it was a great way to have tra uh, technology transfer. What you learn on the racetrack going over to the production side is IMSA a closer link now of technology transfer than maybe some other racing series. Yeah, they're 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 bringing it up. So the one of the the big new technological features to this car is the electrification. So we have uh, the uh, high voltage battery pack. That's, you know, really kind of the fuel source or the energy source for our, our MGU, the electric motor inside of the, uh, the gearbox that, uh, that really runs parallel with the combustion engine. So this is very similar conceptually to the hybrids that are going out on the street. You can go to your Honda or Acura dealer and you can, you can buy a, a new hybrid car and enjoy it. So we've got a very similar conceptual uh, powertrain in, in this car. But we're, we're really chasing the performance of it. We, we really want to use this in a unique way that adds to the experience and the performance of the car, as well as the efficiency of the car. So, you know, we take a clean sheet uh, approach to how we, how we operate this unit, how we synchronize it with the uh, internal combustion engine. And when we've proven this and, and developed it and demonstrated it on track, we absolutely share all that with anyone on the production side that wants to see it. You know, it's an open book. We're all Honda and Acura associates, 
and uh, we can openly share amongst ourselves and and we will so there's there's definitely that opportunity there because there's there's things done on the production side that uh, that the racers don't always think of that that might be useful and and vice versa and we we really hope that we're that we're producing uh, you know some some technology or some solutions that uh, that can eventually find their way into the road car vehicle and that the uh, the fans and customers can uh, put their hands on and experience for themselves and does it amaze you after 24 hours of racing that the last couple of Rolex 24 at Daytona's have become absolute fights to the finish to win the race? And when you think of just how many laps are run during that 24-hour time period to have those type of finishes, does that absolutely amaze you? It is amazing. You know, it's uh... – uh, a lot goes into that. It's not just the the closeness of the racing, but it's the the durability of the cars, and then the number of cars that are that are fighting it out uh, at the end of the race. You mentioned the last few uh, races. Not only are the finishes close, but look at the number of cars that are still on the lead lap after 24 hours. It's it's mind boggling. There's there's just absolutely no time to relax in these 24 hours, you know, it's a race the, in, the entire way. And, uh, you know, no slip ups are allowed. I, I'm afraid if, if, if you want, if you go a lap down, there's, there's a good chance, you know, you're going to get it back. That's manageable. Of course, if it's towards the end of the race, I don't think that's going to happen. So there's, there's opportunities like this to manage the, you know, manage the pace and to get laps back and stuff like this. But, you know, I think, Anymore, if you if you had an issue and you had to go back to the garage and you lost five laps or ten laps, your your race is uh, your race for the for the win is over. You know, maybe you can still get on the podium, but even that's going to be a challenge. When you're dealing with engineering problems and with a lot of data, and you've been up for twenty, twenty two, twenty four hours, at what point in your role does fatigue start to affect decision making? It can, you know, we're, we're careful that our, that our guys get, uh, get breaks you know, they can, uh, they can relax for a few minutes. Uh, you know, they can go get, uh, get a bite to eat and uh, catch their breath. Amazingly, you know, I think everybody on our team, at least speaking for the Acura group, uh, there's so much energy and enthusiasm for this event. People will take a break, but they don't really want to, they, they, they want to stay connected to what's going on with the cars out on track and, Stay in touch with the activity so that they're they're not left behind. It's stunning, like I said earlier. You know how much where the energy comes from for this event. There's a lot of energy, and uh, it it almost uh, I think people are just fueled by the race itself. You know it's uh, it's an incredible event, and um, you, you don't want to miss it. And you've got two really star packed teams for Acura. You have Meyer Shank Racing, and you also have. Now a conglomeration of Andretti Autosport with Wayne Taylor Racing, and to be able to work with two major teams like that, how important is that? It's it's really important. You know, these are teams with a long pedigree in racing and a good resume of, of accomplishments, and uh, you know, it's, it's a privilege to work with them. You know, it's it's really stunning and uh, satisfying that they they want to work with us on this, and that they they believe that. You know, having an Acura on the grid is is one of the things that they need to have to go compete for the win. So it's really a blessing to have those guys, uh, you know, relying on us for a major piece of their competitiveness. 
And, uh, you know, we're, we're motivated to not let them down. I think we, we kind of drive each other. You know, they want to do well for, for Acura, and, and we want to do well for them. And any history that's created for each other's organization, you know, we, we'll share it, and, and we'll make sure that we do our part. And also, how impressive is it that you look over at Michael Shank's operation and, you know, they, they went from the NSX project, stepped up to the top level, and now they're champions and uh, stand a pretty good, ch- you know, they're starting on the pole for the Rolex 24 and have a pretty good shot at winning the Rolex 24. How impressive has that transition been for that team? It's really impressive. You know, it's, uh, I, think, I think that team for a long time really punched above its weight. And uh, Mike's done a great job of really committing himself to, to putting together a, a top-notch team. And they're a real joy to work with. They're diligent, they're smart, and they really pay attention to everything that they do. And, you know, they've been involved with HPD for, for quite a while now and contributed to a number of our programs uh, in a very positive way. So we, we really like our relationship with Mike Shank, and we work together well. And uh, I think he's really knocking it out here in GTP so far. He's picking up right where he left off last year with, uh, with the DPI. Mark Crawford, large project manager for Honda Performance Development. Good luck in this weekend's Rolex 24 at Daytona, and good luck the rest of the 2023 IMSA season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Well, thank you. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, IMSA President John Doonan, and Honda Performance Development Large Project Leader Mark Crawford for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.